honestly, this is this was an idea yesterday over a wine. Now it's like a potential, you know, proper potential strategy. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to A Sideways Life, the honest guide to living and working abroad. This is episode 112, could you believe? My name is still Liam. And my name is still Al. Hi, happy new year. Happy new year. I hope you've had a nice <laughs> relaxing few few weeks over Christmas. We've certainly had, we had yeah. a lot of time off, didn't we? Yeah, we had about two weeks and it was glorious. <laughs> it was, it was. We uh, we worked really hard. As you as you probably know, regular listeners know, we have another podcast we launched um, around about summer, autumn last year. And that's really taking off and it's doing really, really well, but it is exhausting. Mm. And then we did 25 days of Podmas. <laughs> that was 25 days from the 1st first of December, 25th of December. If you've listened to all of those, then send us an email. We'll send you something. I don't know what we'll send you. Probably just a video of us going, thank you. But yeah. Not like a prize or a badge or something. I'm not sure our marketing budget goes goes that far. <laughs> then we'll send you a nice message. We'll send no, you a nice if message. If you did, good for you. And if you're a hardcore that's done like all episodes of both Podmises for the last couple of years, then well, I question your sanity, but well done. <laughs> if, if that is the case, then email us. But just bear in mind that there will be a quiz before we send you a <laughs> £10 Amazon voucher to spend on whatever Ooh. you like. I know. Although Amazon vouchers are no good for, uh, uh, for nomads. I've just, yeah. I, yeah, I've discovered that. Particularly like now that the UK has left Europe. Yeah. Um, then whenever you order something from the UK from Amazon, it costs you about another 20% just in import duty. Yeah. So it's not worth it. Although it's a hack. If you live in the UK, if you are from the UK, you're used to Amazon and you're living in a country in Europe, go to amazon.de. You can do that in your app. Just go to account and settings country and it'll be in in English, but you'll get the German Amazon um, and you won't have to pay the import duty. And they've got probably about 90% of the stuff that the UK has got. And also um, pretty quick delivery and not bad prices. How does that work if you've got vouchers? Like, do vouchers transfer no. to other? No. So if I've got a UK Amazon voucher, it's... It's for UK. What I don't know mm. is whether you can have, if you're gifted an Amazon voucher, whether you can take that and apply it to the .de site. That's .germany. That's what I was asking. I don't know. Never or could you then use that Amazon voucher to buy an Amazon voucher for a different Amazon website? I think you might blow up Amazon. <laughs> I mean, that's very clever. I like this kind of thinking, but I don't know. I, I don't... may or may not have got an Amazon voucher for Christmas from somebody, so. Well, tell you what, we will try that. We'll try and buy an Amazon voucher with an Amazon voucher and see what happens. So if your, um, if your cat letter doesn't arrive tomorrow, then you know it's because we've blown up the Amazon servers by trying Honestly, to. Well, that, that clears up what we're doing this weekend. <laughs> Anyway, right. So uh, let's get on to it because we've, we've dra drabbled, dribbled, drabbled? Dribble, drabble. Dribble, drabble enough. We are really excited because this is the beginning of a new year and also the beginning of um, a kind of a series on Italy. Now, we're not like one of those, who's that fancy, um, who's that fancy bald-headed actor who does all the cool food Stan oh, Stanley Tucci. Yeah, not, Stan oh, we need to watch that as well. We do. But mm. it's not that kind of series where it's all beautifully polished and in the, we'll still be sitting in our same chairs in Croatia. <laughs> but the reason why we, we want to talk about Italy is because it's been some, somewhere that we've never really considered as, as somewhere we want to necessarily stay. I don't know why. We've been there a couple mm. of times, haven't we? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess it's whether we... 
we left Spain and we wanted to go further east and then we enjoyed it further east. There's no reason to come back mm. further west towards Italy. I don't know, because like you say, when we have spent there, well, the time we have spent there, we've really enjoyed it. And it is quite similar in terms of like Mediterranean lifestyle and and the food is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to explore. I'm excited to learn more from our our lovely guests that we we have today and, and lined up as well. Um, I think, yeah, I think it could be interesting. Yeah, so talking of guests then, the, our first guest in this series is the guest on this episode called Jennifer Sontag. I think Sontag is German for Sunday, so that's a cool name, Jenny Sunday. Um, it sounds like a dessert. <laughs> <laughs> and Jennifer is from uh, the Italian Citizenship Concierge.com. Uh, and she is such a lovely, lovely, lovely lady. Great story. Although there was so much information that she gave us, I cut out a little bit of her backstory. I'm sorry, Jennifer, um, just so we could get to the meat and potatoes of the, of the interview. Um, and basically, she just talked us through what it's like, she's American, what it's like moving to Italy. Um, and essentially what tax you pay, how what it's like for freelancers, how you get a visa, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't want to spoil it for you, but it's all pretty good stuff. I came off the phone. I came through to Leanne going, we are going to Italy tomorrow. <laughs> you did. I did. I was very excited. So should we go and meet Jennifer? Yes, please. So I want to just jump straight in. So I'm, I'm intrigued. This story I read about you was that you started dreaming in 2016, but you didn't actually start the application until about 2020. Is that right? That is correct. Yes. There was um, a few fits and starts along the way. Um, a, a, nasty, a messy, nasty divorce, a one-year move to China that turned into three years with COVID lockdown, and then a very short stint in Barcelona, Spain on the way to Italy. And five years later, finally had my citizenship, and that spurred me starting a company to help others. Um, get their citizenship in less than five years. (laughs) So tell me, I'm curious. Of those five years between thinking about it and doing it, was there anything like fear or worry stopping you from pushing that process forward? Absolutely. Um, You know, the biggest worry was, what the heck was I going to do in Italy? Um, the Italian economy is famous for you know not having enough jobs and the jobs that they do have being drastically underpaid. Um, and in 2016, I was just finishing up a PhD and restarting a, a second career. So I was um, you know very focused on making sure where I moved that I was going to be gainfully employed. And and so. I had to do a little bit of um, a, a little zigzag in order to make that happen. Um, and so that was why my first stop was in China, where I went and I was teaching business and economics. Um, at that point, pre-COVID in China, it was kind of a great place to go and just make a lot of money and live for cheap and sock that away. Um, well, I kind of figured out what to do. My first career was as an entrepreneur and I wasn't sure that I wanted that commitment yet um, to go back into entrepreneurship, but um, but through my time in China, I discovered that you know that's really where my passion was, and so I used that time to write up a couple different business plans to put me in a good place um, so that I could get my butt to Italy as quickly as possible because five years was too long. So, so if someone is considering moving to Italy but they are looking for a job there, is that? What was your advice around that? Don't. Um, 
I, I really, I think, you know, somebody that's coming to Italy, first off, you're going to have a, a language barrier unless you are fluent and also a network um, issue because Italy is famous for connection. You need, you need to have your local connection. This is not something that you just go on LinkedIn and submit a couple of applications and end up with a job. You really need to have some connections and those language skills. Um, and then beyond that, the jobs are just not that high paying. So Italy is a great place, um, you know, obviously for the retirees, but Italy is also a really excellent, excellent place for somebody that's an entrepreneur. There are some really wonderful tax incentives. Um, there's grants. Um, that my clients are able to work with because they become citizens. So they're eligible for some different grants to help them get started in business. Um, and there's a lot of opportunity in Italy. You know, a lot of people want to come to Italy. A lot of people, you know, love and sort of fetishize, you know, that Italian lifestyle. So for somebody that is creative and entrepreneurial, um, they, they can really make um, an impact on their life and coming to Italy professionally, but they're not going to do that within a traditional job, in my experience. So let's talk about that for a second. Let's get into the actual practicalities. So most of our listeners, I think, are freelancers or some have jobs with, with overseas, but most of them are freelancers in that sort of sense. So, and we are as well. So we, ha- we are freelancers. We work for companies outside of the country that we live in. Tell us what, first of all, what's the, is, is it possible to keep doing that in Italy? And secondly, talk to, talk us through like the tax situation. Sure. So absolutely. Um, coming to Italy is great if you have a job outside of Italy, because Italy has some really interesting tax incentives for new residents. If you've not been a tax resident in Italy in the previous two years, um, there's a couple different programs. One is called the Forfetario. So this is for someone that's earning under 65,000 euros per year to qualify as a consultant to pay a flat 5% tax rate, which is fantastic. Um, Italy's um, tax brackets actually go up to, I believe it's 43 or 44%. So to be capped at 5% for flat income up to 65,000, you don't need to produce invoices. Um, you don't have to worry about the VATs. Really game changer um, in taxes. Um, and that was one of the things that I looked at when I was considering that I want to domicile in Italy or in Spain, because I had that option in Spain, but the taxes in Spain were going to eat up almost 50% of my income. So that was a little crazy. Then for freelancers that are making over 65000 there's the Impatriate um, program, which is a tax credit. So roughly... If you are in the north of Italy, so say uh, very broadly, Rome north is a 70% tax break on your income. So you're making $10, you're paying taxes only on $3. If you are in the south, um, so you know Naples through Sicily, um, Sardinia, it's a 90% tax credit which um, this is the program I use. This brings my effective tax rate down to 4.7%. Absolutely incredible. Uh, you know, and I know Malta, I think it is, has a little bit better tax rate, but they're in the process of potentially changing that. Portugal is another one that's very competitive. Um, like I said, you know, I looked at Spain and the 
couldn't even come close. Italy was the place to be. And with these tax credits, you definitely want to work with a commercialista, so the Italian equivalent of an accountant, because there's lots of little details. Um, so, for example, the program I'm on, I'm in the 90% tax credit. I live in Sicily, but I actually don't pay taxes just on that 10% because my income then is reduced down to 78% of what it is. And then I pay 10% on the 78%. So it does get a little confusing. So highly, highly recommend talk to a tax professional for your individual situation. But know that Italy can be really great for freelancers and for people that are entrepreneurs or coming with jobs that are outside of Italy. I have to be honest, I didn't know anything about this. Now, you've mentioned a couple of terms there. I'll, I'll put them in the show notes. So we'll talk afterwards and you can send me the actual links, the proper things. Um, so I won't try and butcher, uh, butcher the pronunciation. Um, now, are these kind of like a timed thing? So say for the first five years, you get this tax credit. Yes. Yes. So that, that's kind of the trick. So the first five years, you get the tax credit. You, you need to participate for a minimum of two years. Then um, this gives you the credit for the first five years. But if within those first five years, you um, have a couple options. You can purchase a property. It can be an income property. So this is one thing that I've done. I am buying a rental property that I will not be living in, but I'll be generating income on it. That's going to extend my my 90% tax credit up to 10 years. Wow. If you want to have a child, I am way past childbearing age, but if you have a child, that can also extend your credit up to 10 years. And then once you move off of that 10-year mark, there are other programs that you can move into, not quite as low of a percentage of an effective tax rate of 5%, but at 15% that you can move into on a more permanent basis. So you're not going to roll from 5% into that escalating 40-something percent. They, they will soften your blow. <laughs> So, they, I mean, this is really, really interesting. Now, Portugal's got a route to residency um, via buying yeah, the golden visa. Um, yes. Out of interest, do you happen to know the amount? Like, is there a, a minimum purchase price for you to be eligible for that scheme? No, there's no minimum. You could buy one of these one euro houses, meet all of the qualifications to, to make your one euro house livable in three years. You could buy a low cost, um, you know, one of the house that I'm looking um, to purchase is 35000 and it's livable. It's in a small village, and I'll rent it to a local for three, 400 a month. That'll more than pay the mortgage, and it'll give me the tax credit. Mortgage. So in Portugal, you cannot buy with finance, So, but you can in Italy. You can in Italy. I, I think we're going there next week. I think we're going to pack up, <laughs> pack up Croatia and off, off we go to, to Italy. So I'm going to ask a bit of a strange question here. And, and so from your experience, then this sounds like it's so, so beneficial for someone who's coming into, um, into Italy from, from a different country. How do the locals react to you knowing that you're paying far less tax than, you, than they are, that you probably aren't, na aren't, aren't native with the language? What's your experience of that? Um, so for the most part, um, the locals, because I'm in, I'm in Sicily, so the Sicilians are very welcoming, lovely people. And for the most part, I have had, you know, them say, you know, how lucky I am. And this is really great. Take advantage of it. You know, this is, this is perfect. I did, when I was first moving here, I was interviewing commercialistas. I was interviewing accountants trying to decide 
who to go with. And one who is very, very popular in, in all of the expat groups said to me, well, you know, you're just lucky because you're a new Italian and you can get this. <laughs> that's, that's a little bit of a, a side of shade. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, but that's the only derogatory comment that I had. And I was kind of surprised it came from from a commercialista. Um, you know, here's a guy who could know all of the loopholes and, you know, and especially for what he was charging. I I was a little put off by that. But for the most part, Italians think it's brilliant. Um, and you will find many of the Italians, if they are entrepreneurs or they are freelancers, they have similar schemes that they they are taking part in. Um, I do know a friend of mine who's a tour designer. He's on a forfeitario program where he pays 15% flat. Um, and so that works out really well for him versus that, that tax bracket up to 40%. So they do have options. We've already said that res- non-residents can buy property. Even people who are applying or going for the citizen can buy. But I've also read that there are certain areas, like there are in Spain, certain areas where there is an incentive to buy a dilapidated property. Do, do you know anything about that? Absolutely. Um, in fact, we are starting to work with one town in Sicily called Le Caraprini that um, they would like to have these interior mountain towns, right? They've been left behind all through the South, all through Italy. The jobs have left, the people have left, they've went on to America, they've went to Australia, um, they've moved north. So these towns have some beautiful homes that have fallen into disrepair. And through um, incentives, working with both local and um, national government agencies, they're able to put together some really great incentives. So the one-euro house, um, for example, or the different low-cost houses. They come with some restrictions and some hoops you have to jump through. But there's also the option to buy some really great houses for low cost. We're talking dollars $20,000, $30,000 for a nice house that you could actually move in, live in. Is it rural? Yes. But are you still 45 minutes from a big city if you have a car? No big deal. You'd have a great, great lifestyle. You can take mortgages on these houses. Um, but then some towns are even a little more creative and they're doing incentives. There's a town um, up near Calabria that's offering new residents 30,000 euros to move in and purchase a house to help people finance that house and renovate it and bring it up to more modern standards. There's other towns who offer young families 10, 15,000 to help them move in. Um, in the South, in Sicily, where I live, some of the rural mountain towns are starting to offer five to ten thousand dollars, five to ten thousand euro, sorry, euro grant to help people not only move to their town but to open businesses in their town because they see that emigration, new people coming in, immigrating is going to replace those people who have moved out. I just love this. So, so basically, what you're saying is that. Italy will not only let you live there, but sometimes will give you a very cheap house. We'll give you a, a grant for you can maintain that house and you'll only pay 4% effective tax rate. Yes. <laughs> yeah. This is incredible. What's the catch? And it, it, the catch is, you know, it's Italy. Italy has the, has the reputation for chaotic bureaucracy for a reason. You will talk to one agency or one person in the office and they will tell you one thing 
and the next person will tell you something else. So with uh, all of these incentives are out there, all of them are real. People are actually doing it, but it sometimes takes a little bit of savviness to understand how to work through it. And it also takes nerves of steel. So, so you've got to be agile and willing to lean into that chaos um, of coming to Italy, but it's worth it. I mean, for the incentives, the beautiful lifestyle, the amazing food, the low cost of living, fast Wi-Fi, small towns. I live in a town of 12,000. We have 5G fiber running through our town. Not bad. Great for digital nomads. That was exactly so, my next so, question was going to be about the, about the internet. So it's good. It's good. It's good. When I first moved to Italy, I lived in a town of 1800 up in the mountains at about 3000 feet. And for the first two months, I was there during COVID lockdown. So I wasn't able to get down and get a new SIM card. I had spotted off my 5G TIM SIM card that I was paying 20 euros a month for working online as a Salesforce administrator. <laughs> yeah. So the internet is good. It's fast. It's cheap. And it's, it's very reliable. One of the things I wanted to ask you about was why would you choose Italy over countries like Greece, Portugal, or Croatia? But I think you've answered that perfectly with, with just what you've just said there. This is just absolutely brilliant. So tell me, if, if someone's at the actual sort of mechanics, someone's a freelancer, they want to come to Italy, but they don't necessarily want to go for, you know, say, I don't want to commit to living here. What are their options for trying it out for a couple of years? So... You've got a couple options, you know, depending on your visa, you've got the 90 days in, 90 days out. You do the Shenzhen shuffle um, back and forth. Um, but then beyond that, there's there's different visas. Um, Italy is has passed the law for a new digital nomad visa. They are still working out the details. And hopefully, this has been going on for about a year now, hopefully we'll have the new um, rules around this new digital nomad visa in the next six months. New government came in in September. So, uh, you know, everybody in the industry is just kind of giving them some time to figure this out with the hopes that um, that should be coming. Otherwise, Italy's visas do tend to be limited. They only offer about 2,500 elective residency visas per year for the entire world. So very, very limited. However, if you come in with a well-prepared package, so your financial, your letter, all of your documents, the chances are pretty good that you can get that elective residence visa. Uh, it's good for one year. It is renewable. It does lead you on the path towards eventual permanent residency or citizenship. It takes 10 years um, if you have no ancestral connection to Italy to get um, to qualify for citizenship through the elective residency visa. Financially, your... Um, your obligations are to bring in about 3,500 euros per month in reoccurring revenue. So if you have, you know, rental property in another country, if, if you have um, some sort of annuity or something that's paying you on a regular basis, so, so you're not actively working, right? So that's the trick with that one. The other option is for high earners. Um, Italy has a couple different visas that you can purchase similar to a golden visa. And so um, I can share out the details um, with that. And all of those then, again, qualify you for different tax rates. They do lead to the path towards citizenship. If somebody does not have an ancestral connection to Italy and they live legally in Italy 
on a visa for 10 years, they qualify for citizenship. If you had a great-grandparent that was born in Italian citizenship, you come legally on a visa, you can live here for three years and gain your citizenship that way. Or if you have a good, clean line, meaning that no one in your family renounced their Italian citizenship, you can come and skip the visa line, completely skip proving your income and what kind of work you're going to do, and come straight in and apply for recognition of citizenship through their Sanguinis program, meaning the right of blood. And, and that's something that I did. And I know a lot of people are looking at um, currently. Interesting. Quick question then. So if you got the, you came in under anyone that you've mentioned there, three, I think, which is the digital nomad visa, which is not, um, not, it's not in live yet. Golden visa um, and elective residency, which is your non-lucrative. Um, if you came on any one of those, does that immediately give you rights to Schengen that the 90 days disappears? The 90 days disappears, yeah. So it's a visa that you're going to need to live in Italy, but you can still travel, right? So your res- your primary residency, your contract, contracted visa is with Italy. So this is where your residency is going to have to be. But then, yes, you can travel around beyond those 90 days for as long as you have that visa. Interesting. I want to just, just talk for a second about... Uh, again, living in in Italy now. From from those of us who are outside of Italy, looking at the news, um, it appears to us, and please correct me, it appears to us that the new government that's come in in September is slightly more right wing than it used to be. Now, first first question is: is that is that being depicted correctly? And secondly, does that have an impact? Say, for example, in inclusivity, so LG, LGBTQ plus that kind of thing. I know in Poland it's slightly more difficult or not quite as recognised anymore. What what's your thinking on that? My experience with this um, and from both personal experience and professional experience of working with um, different government agencies is local governments in Italy are given a lot of latitude and in setting the rules and interpreting the laws and how they will apply within those communities. Um, I live just outside of Palermo. This summer, Palermo had one of the largest uh, gay pride parades um, that it's ever had in its history. Um, So, you know, I think it really depends regionally. And that has been my experience on on what the mayors, what those regional presidents, and how they want to frame the laws. Italy is kind of an interesting country. This is why we have so um, so much trouble with bureaucracy. The national government will set up a law, but then it's up to the 8,000 communities within Italy to interpret those laws the way they want. So Italy um, doesn't act always on precedent. So kind of a good thing and a bad thing. Um, You know, each town can interpret the rules the way that they want. The new government is much more far right wing. Um, You know, immigration is a big concern for this new government. Um, And and we're seeing the effects of that. We're seeing people that are not able to come off of these migrant boats um, as easily as they used to be. This is causing a problem. And it's interesting because locally, most people locally are are for immigration. They realize and they see the need for immigrants because we've had so much immigration. We've had so many people live leave Italy. Um, so the government doesn't always reflect the views of the individual. 
um, down at the community level. So, so the experience at the community level has been really wonderful, especially in immigrant communities and LBGT communities, um, that, that the people are very good um, to each other. The national government, we'll wait and see. Interesting. Living in rural um, Andalusia um, in, like like you say, there was a town we lived in for like three years for 6,000 people. It's like living in rural Wales or rural America. You know, you've got the old-fashioned way of looking at things. But what's interesting is hearing this gay pride, um, this gay pride par- parade just sort of makes me think that, you know, we, things are changing. And that is that is really, really cool. So um, you talked a lot about the individual 8,000 communities, I think you said, that all interpret it slightly differently. We have had that experience in Spain where it's... <laughs> bureaucracy is a nightmare i think we tell the story of we, we had we, we imported imported we brought with us a, a rottweiler dog who was classed a dangerous dog it took us so long to get the license to have to own this dangerous dog the dog had died it was that sort of ridiculous so um so we, we we're used to this bureaucracy so tell me is this something that someone could do themselves or do they need someone like you to to, to manage this whole process so you could definitely do it yourself um would i advise that no did I do it myself? Yes. But I had a, a couple of really good friends that are local um, that, for lack of a better term, greased the wheel. Um, so my good friend grew up with the man at, in the town hall who actually processed citizenship. So he was able to, you know, pick up the phone and, hey, I got this girl. She's American. She's got some documents. What do we do? Um Without having those connections, I would not advise it. Um, and actually, it's one of the best ways for me to, um, to find new clients is when people try to do this on their own, they run into problems because 8,000 communes, 8,000 employees, plus their counterparts, apply the rules they, the way they want. It's not so straightforward. And so many times people will do all of their due diligence. They will go through every different Facebook group, Reddit group. They'll listen to videos, you know, YouTube videos of exactly how to apply for citizenship. They'll show up. They have all their documents in order. And the door is shut on them. And the community says, nope, we're not doing it. Or we're not doing it that way. We're going to do it our own way. And suddenly this person has packed up their entire life back in their home country, shown up ready to move to Italy, take citizenship, and it's not going to happen for them. So it's a really frustrating process um, that all 8,000 of these communities can interpret the law the way they want, which has created a cotton industry for, for freelancers and entrepreneurs like me to move through and make those connections to help my clients get through. So it is possible, but definitely have a good sense of humor and some really strong nerves. It's funny, we we are big proponents of throwing some money at the problem. Um, and I mean, not to, talking thousands and thousands and thousands, but certainly this yeah. is our second time of doing our Croatian visa. Um, and we wouldn't even consider trying to do it ourselves. We use an agency both times, even on the renewal, just because exactly you said, like we, we got our our first visa in Pula in, uh, in, in Istria, and now we're getting it in split. And already we're seeing those differences in what people are asking for. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me. So I think it is really, really important. And this is not just, it's not just an advert for Jennifer. This is just 
just saying, look, I, we are part yeah. of, I, I know you're probably the same, we're part of lots of expat groups on Facebook. And the majority of questions are like, I've just been gone to the police station, they've said this. And then someone will go, well, that's not correct, because you're supposed to do this. And it doesn't matter. The fact is, if the police say no, then you're screwed, aren't you? Exactly. You can, you're not going to force a government official to do what, what someone else on a Facebook group said to do. Every single experience is going to be different. And you know, I equate this to, look, I go to a doctor for a reason. They're an expert. They have studied the body. They have, they have studied their skill and their specialty, and they know what to do. You know, same reason, you know, when I get my car fixed, I take it to a mechanic. I don't take it to the butcher. I don't try to fix it myself. There's a lot of technical specialties, um, you know, that, that are needed. You need to understand those intricacies that, that we miss sometimes in a Facebook group. Absolutely. And the patients. I, I can, oh. yeah. <laughs> Couldn't do your job. You know, I tell my clients that, look, if you paid me, you know, for all, all of the stress, it, this would be a completely unaffordable process. <laughs> Nine times out of 10, I walk out of these offices and I do this every single day. I'm going in and out of these communities, out of the communes, as they're called, the, the town office, and I'm going out of the immigration, please. I couldn't even begin to count the number of times I've walked out with my head in my hand, shaking or in tears or frustrated and wanting to scream. And I do this every day. <laughs> And they change the role day by day, working with the same people <laughs> because they can. And there's nothing I can do to say the difference. So, you know, we take we take all that stress for our clients. And and sometimes it, sometimes it just does make sense to throw money at the problem. If you want to do this and you want to do it quick and clean, get an expert. It doesn't have to be me, but but don't stress yourself. There's there's better battles to fight in life. Hundred percent. When it comes to visas, I think there's you can either have it cheap, fast, or done well. You you just choose two. You can't have all three. So exactly. Yeah. So tell me what what Jennifer, what question have I not asked you that you think I should have done? I think the big question a lot of people ask us is why should we move to Italy? And and I think that's always telling for people, um, especially new expats or new immigrants, is. Why should I leave my home country? It's convenient. It's easy. You know, I've got friends. Why should I start over? Because why not? You know, life, life, there's so much life out there and there's so many new experiences. And yes, you may have been to Croatia where you're at. You may have lived in Spain. You may have lived in the UK. Each country is different. Um, and I am a big proponent of get out there and try it. You know, you can always leave. Italy may not be for someone, but it's worth the try. And it's always very, very different than, than that experience on vacation, right? So getting into immersing yourself in that culture, learning that different rhythm of life. I think that's what keeps us young. That's what keeps us inquisitive and, and learning. Um, and it keeps us on our toes for sure. 
definitely. Brilliant. Well, Jennifer, it's been absolutely fantastic. You've convinced me. I'm going to go and talk to my wife <laughs> and uh, Leanne, and we're going to, uh, yeah, we're def- this is definitely now. Uh, honestly, this is this was an idea yesterday oh, over a wine. Now it's like a potential, you know, a proper potential strategy. Absolutely. Love to have you in Italy. Love to show you around. It's just such a beautiful, beautiful country. So thank you so much, Jennifer. All of the links are going to be in the show notes. Um, definitely recommend having a conversation. Do you have some kind of like free consultation or anything for someone who's interested in learning a bit more about it? Absolutely. Absolutely. We say we give a three, uh, free 30-minute consultation. Those consultations end up being usually about an hour with a couple of follow-up conversations. Um, so absolutely reach out to us at our website, italiancitizenshipconcierge.com um, and set up a time and we will talk and go through, you know, what are your options, even if you're not an Italian descendant, is there a visa that would be right for you? What is that pathway to get you to Italy so that you can live La Dolce Vita? Okay, so there was Jennifer. She was so generous with her information. Obviously, you know, we're not trying to we're not trying to advertise on her behalf and say you must use Jennifer, but every time we've gone for a visa, we've all gone for anything bureaucratical in bureaucratical, is that a word? Bureaucratical. I don't know, but I like it. Me too. I'm gonna to write that down and use it a bit bit, bit more often this week. <laughs> um so if anything that's that's involved bureaucracy in Europe, particularly Southern Europe, we've always paid someone to do it because the yeah. one time we tried to do it ourselves, it was a King nightmare, wasn't it? Took it took years. <laughs> it literally did. I think at the end of that uh, interview, I did talk about getting the license for the dog and he died. By the, By the time, time we got the license, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true story. So one of the, a couple of things that um, that stood out to me on that interview, first of all, she was very clear, if you don't have a job and you want to live in Italy, get a job before you go to Italy because you can't really get a job in Italy. I mean, that makes sense for, for most places, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think, unless you're in a in a a niche category of people that speaks fluent Italian or, you know, would have the the skills need to get, but even then. But then I think this is the thing, isn't it? It always makes me smile when you see things on on social media that's like, learn how to be a digital nomad in 2023. And it's like, that's not a thing. Like, it's a lifestyle. It's not my mm. career. It's not what I do. <laughs> um, so yeah, get, get a job. It's good, good, Good life advice in general, I think. Get a get a fucking job. <laughs> uh, the second thing I loved about it was that Italy seems to really like freelancers. And from from what Jennifer was saying, that I I was I was concerned that the locals would look at people coming in because, but politically they want to stop immigrants. But then also in terms of the visa, they're welcoming immigrants. So they think it feels like maybe the government wants to stop a particular type of immigrant. They're looking for high value immigrants, <laughs> I think. Yeah, if you turn up with 50p in your pocket, um, then they're like, no, go away. But if you go, oh, yeah, I'll give a million euros to uh, to the government as a bond, they'll be like, come in. We've put on a spread for you. <laughs> to be fair, I think most countries work like that if you've got some if you've got some money to throw at the situation. Um, but, you know, that that's fair enough, particularly, you know, if you're a third country national, you, you need to be able to, to show that you can, you know, you can support yourself. But equally, if you can... Um, and you can contribute positively to the the community and the, the environment, then then yeah, you will be welcome. So I think that's just really how these things work, isn't it? It definitely, definitely. Um, our experiences of mainly of northern Italy is that the prices are about the same as where you, whether you go to Germany, Slovenia, now Croatia, now we're on the euro, uh, Spain. They're kind of like the same prices for food and that kind of stuff. So it's not like oh, you'll go there and you'll get a beer for ten pence or anything like that. But at the same time. 
Um, what she said there was that the effective rate was around 5% tax for 10 years. Now, of course, there's ins and outs. and You've got to make sure that you're doing things right. And we've got an accountant on next week, uh, Nico, who is so cool. I asked him actually on the interview, very embarrassingly, if we could be friends. And he kind of went, um, okay. <laughs> You weirdo. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, he will talk much more about the tax stuff. But basically what Jennifer's saying is you can go there, you can live there and you can pay 5% tax. Isn't that freaking nice? It's very nice. And the thing that you really like was the path to citizenship that most mm. of the, all the visas, well not all, but most of the visas have this path to citizenship, which you just don't get in Croatia. No. And I think that's the thing that that does there is a real downside about the the Croatia Digital Nomad visa. I know we talked about this before, but you can't do it back to back. You have to have at least three months out, and then you can come back on a tourist visa for three months, and then apply for a, a, the DN visa again for twelve months. So there's always going to be that gap, and there's no route to permanent residency, and you can't leave the country for more than thirty days when you have it. I think there's a lot of it's an odd it's an odd thing. I think, and I mean, obviously the tax situation is the big. You know, 0% tax is, is the, the big payoff for it. And I, it'll be interesting to see if it changes over, you know, the next few months or, or years with um, with Croatia now joining Schengen and, and the Euro. So we'll see. But for me, I must admit, we came back to Croatia because we weren't quite finished with it. We wanted to spend a bit more time in Dalmatia and living here. And, and it's great and we, we like it, but I'm kind of over it now. Mm. And I think it's because we can't make anything longer term. And I think we're both getting to the point, and I think we spoke about this quite a bit over Podmas actually, that it'd be nice to have a base, something a bit more, a bit more permanent, or at least the option. Because it kind of, it's kind of demotivating. We're kind of like, well, what's the point in going out and meeting people? Because we'll just leave in mm. six months. Mm -hmm. um, so then you kind of come a bit insulated, which isn't the point of traveling and being an expat and being a nomad. So um, yeah, I think any visa that offers a route to residency and for I think if you are a third country national as well that residency also allows you free reign within Schengen mm -hmm. that's it a real does. that's a real benefit that's a massive massive plus for me so the downside as I asked Jennifer what's the catch she said bureaucracy basically um, that's what you're going to be dealing with. Also, if you do want the minimum, if you want to go and buy a house for 20,000, 30,000 euros, you probably are going to be in a rural village somewhere maybe 40, 50 kilometers from, from a major town. So just bear that in mind. You can't just turn up in Naples and go, oh, well, I'll buy this house for 10,000 euros. Um, you know, it's not going to work like that. But what we, in terms of the bureaucracy, key thing is if if you can't deal with it, which most people can't, if you can't deal with it and you can't deal with the stress, then get someone like Jennifer to do it. Again, we're not advertising Jennifer, even though we're probably going to use it if we go to Italy. Um, you can find her details in the show notes. And again, we're not getting anything from that. Jennifer's not paying anything. Perhaps she should. <laughs> Maybe we should have, have a... I'll write a strong, strongly worded email to Jennifer right now. Really? Uh, no, not really. No. no. <laughs> okay, so next week we've got the amazing Nico, who is the accountant, and he's a cool guy. Really, really cool. Um, and uh, he's um, he just explains things in such a great way. And I came off the phone, as I say, yesterday, day before, and I was like, you, my friend, are going to be our accountant if we move to Italy. When we move to Italy. When? There we go. We've yeah. made a decision. Yeah. So we'll see you there. Maybe buy you a little little pizza. Beer. Pizza. Yes, exactly. <laughs> chin chin. Bye. Bye bye.